0: Well, can you start us off with a word of prayer? Let's start there first.
1: Father God, we are humbled by the privilege to pray. Thank you, Father, for providing access to your throne of grace that we might find help, we might find mercy, we might find grace in our time of need. Thank you, Father, for making the way open to us to approach you boldly through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. Lord, we praise you for your truth, your truth that you gave to us that we might know you and enjoy you forever. Help us to honor the truth in all that we say and do, that we might share the truth with others, that we might always obey the truth, submit to the truth, and defend the truth in all that we say and do for your honor and glory. That's what this podcast is about. Help us now to be faithful in displaying the your glory, in all that we say. For the honor of your name we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is Truth
0: Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone, and uh, with me today is the pastor of Belcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? Man, I am
1: living the dream. Living the dream. I'm living the dream. What's the dream? The dream is being a servant of God. Amen. Listen, Amen. Listen, man, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. To be a servant of the king, what else could I do? Yeah, absolutely. That's I, awesome. I am I'm overwhelmed that the Lord would allow me, a sinner, a wretch, to serve in his glorious kingdom ministry. Amen. Sorry. That's the dream. Sorry, man.
0: I love it. I, yeah. i I appreciate that because I appreciate you living the dream because I I benefit from
1: that dream. Well, I'm overwhelmed that I get to. I I pinch myself every day. Yeah. I get to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Mm. That's awesome. Mm.
0: Well, doorkeeper, I need to have a conversation (laughs) with you about a few things here. (laughs) Because whenever
1: you back up like that in your chair, (laughs) I I know you're about ready to unleash. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh boy.
0: Sorry. Yeah, it's uh Sorry. oh, it's about to go down. <laughs> Cuz here's the thing. I'm I'm going to be very upfront with you about this. Mm. <clears throat> this whole series of prayer has been messing with me. Sorry. And here's why. I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to pull out this book. This is the the book is called A Call to Prayer. You need to go get it yesterday and you need to read this book. I'm going to I'm going yeah, this this is uh, okay, now I know where I'm going to start. <laughs> First of all, J.C. Ryle is the is the author of the book. So J.C. Ryle, uh, one of his books is Holiness that you got to pick up. Another great book that I actually read and then passed another copy off to uh, a young man that I work with is um, what is it? Uh, uh, something about young men. Thoughts for young men. Thoughts for young men. That's what it is. Yep. Great book. Yep. Great small book because I love small books. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that it. it I mean. he talks a a lot about being single in the book, but a lot of the stuff I can use as a married man and and, and faithfulness that he talks about just phenomenal book. Yep. Now, one thing that this book, uh, a call to prayer by JC Ryle, like I said, you need to go get it yesterday. And one of the things that messes with me in the book, just like his book, holiness is it's this concept of prayer that one if you are sinning Mm -hmm. then you aren't praying Mm -hmm. that has been messing with me Mm -hmm. for weeks now Mm -hmm. well a week at least Well, weeks actually no because that was the last time we you said here read this book and I was Mm -hmm. like huh it's I'm not running I'm not walking into a spider web at all like that's what this feels like it's like man I was unaware Mm -hmm. of so many things and this book just brought it out and the scripture that he uses and Oh man, it was, it was so good. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, uh, this, this, uh, sentence out of it. Prayer is the surest remedy against the devil and besetting sins. Mm-hmm. This sin, the, that sin will never stand firm, which is heartily prayed against. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So many nuggets that are in here. I, and I'm just going and highlighting. I got different color highlighting cause I'll I, I pick it up and I, I use another highlight and, um, uh, another color and, the the biggest thing about this is it's a small read. It's a short read. You read it twice. You read it three times. You read it to people. It's pretty easy to, to do. And um,
1: I'm. It's a book on prayer that'll make you want to get saved about four or five more uh, times because it will have you unsaved about four or five times because yeah. you'll be reading it going. I don't even know if I'm a believer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why I said this was. It's it has been messing with me. It's so good. Here's a question. It's so good. He, here's a question he asks. How can a man live and not breathe is past my comprehension. And how can a man believe and not pray is past my comprehension too. Messing with me all week long. Prayer is the
1: breath of the believer.
0: This is a book that you have to get. I mean, it is a a solid, solid book. Prayer, pains, and faith can do anything is what he said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, (laughs) he, he brings up his, his his heritage here, where he's from. Well, might Mary Queen of Scots say, "I fear John Knox's prayers more than any army of ten thousand men." Mm-hmm. Oh man, that is all right. I'm gonna put that down because I got some questions I want to ask. That's Why
1: but, he's one of my favorite dead guys?
0: Do you do you want do you want to expound on that in any way? Or? No, I, I can't
1: expound on. That. I don't need to expound on it.
0: Okay, it stands on its own. Yeah, that is a book that you you gotta
1: read, and. One thing that, uh, but I told you, I said if you read that, you'll you'll realize how light my sermons are. Yeah, your sermons your sermons
0: are are, are great, but that that book right there, that's the whew.
1: that'll make me. Everybody gets done, and it's like, we, oh, we, pastor, that hurts. That's so hard. I'm like, go read J.C. Row. You'll you'll realize. We'll run to your sermons. Exactly. Now. Exactly. <laughs> it's like
0: we run to your sermons for relief now. That's right. Like that's how that's how it was. Oh man. Okay. So uh, I obviously I got a, a few questions uh, from your sermon, um, uh, your past sermon, uh, and that one was from June, January thirtieth. Yes, yeah. that was a date. Yep. Go back and listen to that; it's on YouTube. Um, but here are a few questions that popped up in my head while you were preaching, and I think this is a good place to start because um, I want to actually ask you about this scripture uh because it's a scripture that i am almost certain that everybody has heard at one time in their uh past and here's the reason i want to read this uh where is it at yeah here it is i'm gonna read it to you it's uh First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. Jabez called upon oh, no. the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm. And God granted what he asked. So, um, I don't think that a person listening to this has never heard of the guy named Jabez in, in the Scripture, mm-hmm. and probably, I'd say, 50 to 70 percent they've heard either a song or a sermon i say in air quotes with the title the prayer of Jabez." yep so uh i'm from maryland so i say Jabez. bass is probably i'm probably pronouncing his <laughs> name completely wrong but you know that, that that's what i get from being from pg county but uh i want my question is the prayer in itself, I think is a is a is a great prayer, yeah, and I don't see anything wrong with praying for God to enlarge a territory for you know God to bless you, mm-hmm. you know um but I have in my new understanding of the scripture understood that and this this whole series on prayer that that may not be the right way to pray because if he would have said, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, that your hand may be with me, that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. If he would have said, oh, that you would bless me so that I can bless others.
1: What passage is that? That's
0: chapter. First Chronicles yeah, four. Four, right? Mm-hmm. Verse 20, you said? Ten. Verse 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, enlarge my borders so that I can house more people and give to whomever you know Mm -hmm. it's now that I'm on the other side of like the theology that Mm -hmm. would have taught me or preached this sermon to me because I have been Mm -hmm. you know it it seems like a very selfish prayer Mm -hmm. you know just just you know just as a I'm I'm talking like 10,000 feet up looking down at it it seems like a very selfish prayer Mm -hmm. but maybe if you could take a few minutes you know for us to understand you know I mean, providentially, it's in the Bible. Providentially, it's, providentially, is in the Bible. So yeah, yeah.
1: So a couple things. One, I think part of it is you got to understand it uh, contextually, canonically. What what are we dealing with? We're dealing with an Old Testament passage, a man who's a part of the tr- tribe of Judah. Uh, we're dealing um, in the historical books. Um, we're dealing with the kingdom of Israel, and so right there, when you're dealing with those prayers. In the old testament there's much we can learn from them Mm -hmm. and there's many oftentimes uh good uh, doctrinal truths that we gain from them most of them being theology proper things about god Mm -hmm. that's what we most often learn in those and and we can even learn some about the practice of prayer from some of these prayers however you got to understand it contextually right who's praying what's he praying for why is he praying it those kind of things and we're not given everything. We don't know all the, we don't know all the history there. We don't know a lot about right. Jabez. We don't know a lot of that. But what we do know is helpful. We know he's from the tribe of Judah, uh, if I'm thinking correctly, and I'm pretty sure that's who he is. He's from the tribe of Judah. He's um, obviously then he's part of Israel. He's part of the covenanted people of God. Um, and so what he's praying is here's here's a big part. Mm-hmm. Is in line with God's will for his people. Right. So, he is Judah. Yeah. So God had blessed, right, mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to provide a land for you. I'm going to bless you that you might be a blessing to other nations. And this mm-hmm. is how the nations will know that I am with you because it will be through the blessings that I give to you within the land and obviously how you live and honor me and worship me and all these things. And so when we see a lot of that, it, it's it's underneath the the old covenant uh israel to god god to israel the plan that he had set up you won't find prayers like that in the in the new covenant you're not going to find prayers like that in the new testament mm-hmm. and obviously different different covenant different historical covenantal setting in the new testament which obviously changes a lot that's why we have to read our our scriptures rightly and understand what where god is in the historical redemptive plan as he's going forward here he's got israel um which is a nation right uh founded upon his law and dealing very intimately with a land mm. with a people with a place with a land land was huge land was uh, a huge part of god's blessing upon them mm. and so um so when you start to understand the prayer in light of that and obviously who is judah right? You know, and that's the, that's the tribe uh, of which the Messiah is going to come out of, and, and much uh, to be said about that. And so uh, when you start to pick it apart and see it from that angle, then you start to understand, okay, there's, there's nuances to this prayer that obviously are not going to be applicable to the New Testament believer. Right Now, that being the case, the book's written on the prayer of David take it, lock, stock, and barrel and just transfer it right into the New Testament and say, this is how you should pray. And it's like, no, that's not how you should pray because hmm. you're not an old covenant Israelite, mm-hmm. right? Not at all. And so uh, it changes things big time. And uh, I mean, take you can even take uh, Psalm 51, right? When David is praying in his prayer, in his uh, penitent prayer of repentance, and he starts talking about, you know, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Like, mm-hmm. w- what is that right we're not going to pray that you know believers not going to pray that in the new testament right, right. you know the old covenant s- historical setting contextually canonically that's a different understanding because that was a different reality then so you got to understand what's going on contextually as you read some of these prayers and so uh so some of what he's asking for fits in line with the obviously where the old testament is where the people of god are and what god was doing with his nation Mm. yeah but obviously we're not israel i'm not israel we're the church Mm. and there's a distinction there Mm -hmm. and so uh so we don't find our heritage and our legacy and our blessing in land right Mm -hmm. they do and that will obviously return and as the lord returns and and all of Israel, i.e., all the elect of Israel, are saved and come back to the land. But by way of the church, that's that's not what we're thinking of. Hmm. That's okay. not our place. You you see you see the difference. Huge difference. Massive difference. That was his anchor. That was his anchor point, and that was God's blessing upon his life. And obviously, just even historically in the time for people, you know, land and wealth and all of that, and even where that takes place, you know, in uh, Chronicles and. The tribes and what god was doing at that time mm-hmm. and so uh he's
0: I mean, like his great 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 grandfather i think um well it might be even more greats you know was you know literally the promise you know was david uh no uh it was um abraham yeah um i, I, I mean i i can't like it'll take me a while to kind of figure out yep. like all of the people that were above him but you know, it was it's it's a it's a huge like I mean, he wasn't that far away. Yep. You know, um, one of his, you know, in, in that passage, you know, the father of Bethlehem. Yep. Like that is that is huge. And then work your way down to him. Yeah. He understood all those things.
1: So when you take the passage, so look at verse 10, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me. And that you would keep me from harm, so that I might not, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted him what he asked, and and it goes on down the line. And so that's really that's all we have. It's mm-hmm. all we got. Yeah, right. And so there's not a there's not a whole lot to go with. Now you got to start con- bringing in a lot of exegetical conjecture. So you just got to go with what you've got. And so understanding the tribe he's with, understanding what God is doing blessing his people, Mm. he he makes a request, God grants it, which means God must have been pleased with it, right? right? And so it fit within his plan. Uh, What he did with it, we don't know. You know, was it a selfish request? Did he use it for himself? Was he a godly man? I mean, the text uh, clearly speaks to that, right? Um, He calls upon the God of Israel. Um, He's asking God uh, to enlarge his border. He understands that God is sovereign. God has the power to do this. He asked that God might be with him, meaning God might be bless God might bless him, walk with him, um, and he asked that God would keep him from harm. I mean, he's 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 holding God in His providential, sovereign, omnipotent position of protector, provider, which again, uh, that's that's the Old Testament theology of of Israel, right? That's God was their refuge and strength, and as He is ours, and so He's holding his his view of god in the right place and then asking for god to enlarge his borders and and extend his wealth in that sense for an old testament israelite in the tribe of judah would not have been a would not have been a weird prayer mm. right mm-hmm. especially if he was already a uh you know a man of stature and wealth and you know like he he lord enlarge my borders well we're not told why Well, maybe maybe so that he can be a blessing to others like Boaz, right? right, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and Lord increase this so that I might serve others. We don't, we don't know. We don't have that. We're just going to assume, you know, the best because God granted it to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, but so that's not an issue. Contextually, when you read that, it's like, yeah, that that fits in line with Old Testament Israel and the people of God. And you can see that throughout. God promised to bless them. Right? Mm-hmm. They're praying in line with God's promise. God promised to give them a land. God promised to increase their land so that his name would be great. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was three quarters of it. Right now bring to wholesale, bring that into the new Testament and say, now we're to pray that God increase our bank accounts Mm. so that God can increase my, another car, another house, another suit, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. increase my wealth, my borders, my whatever that is, uh, that is what we call, uh, uh, exegetical anarchy <laughs> it just, you, you can't do that it doesn't fit yeah you cannot you cannot export the theology in that sense over to the New Testament it doesn't fit right you can ex- export the God right who promises to bless mm-hmm. and obviously you can you can uh, pray that the Lord might bless you so that you might obviously serve him and bless others and all kinds of things, but to pray that same prayer, like has been done so many times, it doesn't fit it's not right mm. it doesn't fit the theology right of the new covenant believer mm-hmm. who already has been given everything in Christ yeah yeah, who is right who has who great has, and precious promises, who has been told to abandon and renounce everything mm-hmm. to follow christ mm. you see mm. you, you see the difference, mm-hmm. you see how it doesn't it doesn't square right. And uh, and so we start we start focusing on on earthly things. Right. Rather than eternal things. Well, in the Old Testament, this this was God's blessing upon. This is what he said. I'm going to give you a land. I mean, the whole book of Joshua is what about them getting the land? Mm -hmm. The Abrahamic covenant that you brought up earlier about Abraham was all about what? Him getting the land, mm-hmm. not just the seed, but the land, mm-hmm. land, 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 land. Play land looms large in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. over and over again, right? Huge. Mm-hmm. And when God curses them, what does He take away? The land. The land. Yep. And when He blesses them, what does He bring back? The land. Mm-hmm. And so when He's what He's praying is very much in line with what God had already promised to do. Mm-hmm. And again, He's in the tribe of Judah, right? Mm-hmm. The, the blessed tribe of the Messiah that's coming and. And, uh, and, and the blessings that would come through that tribe. And, uh, you know, from all the way going all the way back to Genesis 49, we know the king is coming out of the tribe of Judah. You learn that early on, mm-hmm. right from Genesis, before we get done Genesis, we already know that we, we know that the, the, um, king is going to be a man. IE, we know that the warrior, the seed of the woman is going to be a man. We learn that in Genesis 3:15, 15, going to crush the head of the serpent. And uh, and before we even get through Genesis, we know he's going to come from the lion of the tribe of Judah. Mm. He's going to rule with a scepter. The king is going to be, I mean, it's amazing how much we get as it goes forward. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, a lot, obviously, to be said uh, just about that. But um, it doesn't square. It doesn't fit. Yeah.
0: Um, I love that. I, I'm going to have to do something to you, and you're not going to like me, but I'm still going to do it. I'm sorry I have to do this to you. All right. I'm waiting. I want you to hear this and I wanna get your thoughts on it. So wait a minute. No. Oh, why is it not playing? Uh okay. Maybe I need maybe that was providential that you don't need to hear it. Because uh it's, it's not, uh, <clears throat> oh, no. <laughs> it's, uh, it's about prayer. I, I, at least that's what the, the person, um, illustrating or saying it, it, it is about prayer, but, uh, oh, that's why. I had the wrong one. All right, here we go. It says pray. Not like, you know, a prayer a day to keep the devil away. Not like a prayer over your meal, just because that's what your mama did and your grandmama did and that's what you're supposed to do. Not something quick and casual, fervent, prioritized prayer. Y'all, you can't have victory if you don't pray. Do you hear what i'm saying to you prayer is the key that unlocks the resources of heaven so that they can be unleashed on planet earth prayer is the key he's actually given you to get all the good stuff down here because i don't know about you but i don't want to wait long? to get to heaven to experience all.
1: Uh, how long are you gonna let this foolishness keep going man? what's
0: wrong with you people exactly, exactly. <laughs> Okay. So, I think that the she says it again, the unlocking of the the yeah. whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is she's talking about. Yeah. Uh I will completely admit that that literally was my mindset when it came to prayer.
1: That's most people's mindset. Yeah.
0: I I will shamefully admit that. Yeah. And
1: puts you in the normal category.
0: Yeah. Now, Obviously, you know, with this whole series on prayer, yes. it has been, it is literally forcing us and challenging us to completely change that mindset. Uh, Amen. And even, I mean, the funny thing about it is, you know, with the prayer, J- and like right in line, the prayer J Bass, Lord bless me, you know, do this for me, Lord, do that for me, Lord. Yep. You know, you said it a few times. You said it in, in different sermons, you know, about, you know, God not being a genie in a bottle because <laughs> that's what we that's where our mindset is a lot of times. Well, it's, yeah. And. Um, as we are talking about now prayer, I want you to. One, correct that theology, mm. but also um, in light of, you know, a call to prayer by J.C. Ryle with the, um, I would say that the, I have another question that kind of goes into this, but like, cause the biggest thing is intercessory prayer. Cause yeah. you know, cause you hear prayer without, pray without ceasing intercessory prayer. Like she's taught, she, she made a couple of good points, a couple, mm-hmm. you know, the point, the fact that she's preaching is, is, is one point that, you know, should be dismissed. But the other side is that, um you know, with her, like she's saying, like, it's not just a prayer at at the meal. It's not just a prayer before you go to sleep. You know, you should be constantly praying. Yeah. But then I hear like the intercessory prayer. So I think, I think more than anything, kind of talk about like the importance of prayer. Yeah. But also, you know, the why behind prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so instead of and don't preach about it i just
1: I wanted to throw that in there, yeah, well, you're too late for that, <laughs> but um first of all, never forget that uh all false teaching, which is part of what you were just playing,, mm-hmm. always has truth mingled in it mm. so um you have to be really careful <clears throat> when you start exegeting, exegeting false teachers. And start commenting on the things that they say are true. Well, they're always gonna that there's always gonna be truth to the f- to the false teaching, or else there's gonna be no appeal to it. Mm. And as a matter of fact, um, uh, the more truth that's in it, the more dangerous it becomes. Mm-hmm. Because what is very clear is a you know a three quarter truth is still a full lie, mm-hmm. and that's the side that we often fail to realize in our in our culture which is inundated with wrong teaching false teaching and heretical teaching and i think there's a difference between all three of those categories um and so you just gotta just gotta remember that and keep that in mind when you're when you're you know hearing things because people will often say yeah but you know they did this and they did that and it's like no it's still false right you know uh, yeah okay so she mentioned the word fervent prayer well yeah that's in the bible but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Everything she was talking about was wrong, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you just yeah you gotta you just gotta keep that in mind, or else you get you get quickly deceived and clouded in your thinking. Mm-hmm. And you start exegeting what some false teacher said, which doesn't even matter. Rather than exegeting the word of truth, mm-hmm. right? And It's like I don't care what they have to say because it's wrong, no matter how you slice it. And so it's not worth the time even considering that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so there's always going to be truth wrapped up in, in, in what is false, and, and that doesn't make it true, mm. right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so important to remember that. Mm-hmm. We forget that. Um, so, yeah, prayer is, 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 is more important than we realize, and the Bible makes that clear, crystal clear. Prayer is talking with God on the most basic germane pedestrian level and yet not all talking with God is prayer. So that's why that definition is so pedestrian. I don't think it's helpful.
0: What do you mean? Not all talking with God is prayer. Oh,
1: I'll give you an instance. Um, I think we see multiple times in scripture where Satan is talking with God. Mm. He's not praying. Mm -hmm. I think we see Pilate talking with God when he's talking, to God, the son, Mm -hmm. he's not praying, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we can see multiple times in the Scripture Tower of Babel. They're cursing God. They're not praying. Mm-hmm. You can take that same, almost that same scene, different different time, go all the way to Revelation three or four different times throughout the tribu- tribulation. We have the people on earth literally uh, raising their fist in defiance to God, mm-hmm. cursing him, it says, because they know that everything that's happening on earth is coming by way of God's judgment. They know it. They raise their fist in defiance and curse God to his face. That's not prayer. Mm. So, you know, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of, uh, talking. Um, but just because you're talking to God doesn't mean you're praying. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of that has to do with the, with the reality of who's talking. Right. Um, for instance, uh, John chapter nine, this will come up on Sunday. Um, there, as I go through the problem of prayer, this is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Is uh, not all prayers are prayers, right? Right. Not all praying is heard by God. Mm-hmm. You know, not all things that we define as praying, God listens as prayers, right? Mm-hmm. He rejects it, right. And so that's the point. You know, prayer is talking to God for the believer, but not all talking to God is prayer, when it comes from the heart of an unbeliever, right. And so, um, we we see that throughout the scriptures, and God closes His ears to their prayers, Isaiah chapter one. They're offering up fervent prayers with many sacrifices. And God says, a stench in my nostrils, I'm closing my ears to it. I will not listen to it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Psalm 66, if I would have harbored sin in my heart, God would have, God would not have listened to my prayers. John chapter nine says, God does not listen to the prayers of the sinners, i.e. the ongoing idolatrous sinners, not, not a repentant sinner, but an unrepentant sinner. So, I mean, we see that. And so that's that, that begins to open our eyes to a massive issue in prayer that God does not accept all prayer. And this is, this is such a, such a problem with our theology. It's like worship because prayer is worship. So it's kind of the same vein. Mm -hmm. Like we think God just is happy when people raise their hands and praise to him. It's like anything goes right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter the way I do it. Doesn't matter what I say. Doesn't matter what I, what I'm doing. As long as I'm, you know, got the right motive and I'm lifting my hands to God, he's happy. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Bible says. Right. And, uh, that's why not all worship is acceptable to God. Matter Mm -hmm. of fact, there was a man who died because that lesson wasn't learned. His Mm -hmm. name was Uzzah. Mm -hmm. And David was worshiping and the entire Israelite, uh, the entire Israelite community was worshiping like they never worshiped before. Tambourines, trumpets, every instrument you could know was being played and they were worshiping Yahweh and a man dies. I don't think he accepted their worship mm. because why it was unacceptable to God because they weren't doing it the way he told them to do it. Mm. They put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. They did not carry it. Man dies. The fervency of worship does not, does not always equate to faithfulness in worship. Mm. Same thing with prayer. Just because it's fervent doesn't mean it's faithful. We're called to pray fervently, but we're also called to pray faithfully in the will of God, to the glory of God, according to the uh, ways of God, the word of God, and those things. So, yeah, prayer, prayer is is—is—is is not simply talking to God. It's, it's, it's communing with God based upon his grace and upon the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. So, what, so, What does that fervent word mean? Passion passionate it means passionate um sure. unrelenting mm-hmm. will not stop you just it's it, it's a picture of jacob wrestling with god really mm-hmm. where he wrestled with god. He wouldn't let him go that mm-hmm. is a, that is a picture of fervent prayer mm-hmm. where you will you just keep wrestling with the lord you keep crying out to the lord and that could be that could be praising god because we praise god in prayer we, we prayer comes in many different forms right it could be praise it could be thanksgiving it could be confession it could be intercession. It could be supplication. It, there's all kinds of ways in which we pray, but all of that can can be and should be done with the right sense of fervency. Mm-hmm. Fervency ultimately for the glory of God, and that's that's huge. So, um, yeah, when you start to study prayer, you start to realize how important it is because it's essentially this. It's our communion with God. We commune with God through prayer. What does that mean? We fellowship. We speak. We talk with God. and And so... Our relationship with God is a genuine two-way relationship, Mm -hmm. right? In this sense, God talks to us through his word. Mm -hmm. We respond to his word on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. We respond ultimately through obeying his word. We respond ultimately by praising him from what we've learned from his word. And part of that praise is prayer. So prayer is our response to what we've heard from God in his word then we respond and talking back to him in prayer. Mm-hmm. And then that talk can be praise. That talk can be confession. I read his word. I come to an understanding of my sin. I need to deal with it. So what do I do? I go to God and I talk to him. I confess my sin to him. I say the same thing about my sin that his word just told me that I, that I, that I've sinned. And so I confess, I repent. I might praise God. I might thank God. I might plead with God because I've, I've read his word. I've seen his word. I've I've grown in my understanding of Christ and what Christ has done and now I plead with God in petition and beg God to to bless me with the strength that that I need to get through this this debilitating sin of my flesh that won't let me go and I'm reading and I'm seeing the 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 command to pursue Christ and to kill sin and to put on holiness so I'm going with to God and I'm pleading for his help in this as I'm as I'm doing battle with the with, with this sin, or I go on behalf of my brother Mm -hmm. who's struggling with, with some issue and I'm pleading on God's behalf. I mean, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it comes in many ways, but we're talking back to God in light of what he has said to us Mm -hmm. in his word, or in light of what he has done for us through the gospel. That's why I call prayer grace derived. We only pray. (coughs) We only pray because God's grace We would have no reason to pray we would have no desire to pray we would have no way to pray were it not for god he opens the way to prayer he gives us a desire to pray and he shows us how to pray so it's all driven by god Mm -hmm. prayer is a gift from god Mm -hmm. he gives it to us he calls us to pray he tells us literally seek his face over and over again in the psalms he tells us jesus christ pray like this Mm -hmm. right he commands us first thessalonians 5 Romans 12, 12, pray without ceasing, be constant in prayer. So, I mean, this, this it all comes from God, as everything does, and then we respond to to that grace through the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel motivates, it drives, because of what Christ has done in opening the veil, and now I can go into the Holy of Holies, not in fear of condemnation, but in reverence and awe and boldness. So, I, it, so it's grace-derived, meaning it comes from God, and now it's gospel-driven. I go back to God in light of, I'm changed by the gospel. I have a new heart, a new desire, and I, and I have a new understanding of God. Now I pray in light of that. Right. And my prayers are constantly being, being matured because as, as my doctrine grows, my practice grows. Right? My understanding of God grows. <coughs> my practice of prayer grows. Mm-hmm. Good.
0: <coughs> and sin decreases because you're praying
1: you well because you're confessing yeah. and you're going to god you're going into his presence and then as i go into his presence in in the sense of i'm i'm, I'm acknowledging i'm recognizing it's all about him we're going to learn this in a, not this sunday but starting next sunday wouldn't we go to the lord's prayer and we see very clearly in the lord's prayer <laughs> he lines out for us a model a pattern to follow mm. not to recite vainly as roman catholics might do with their rosary or whatever, or even reciting the Lord's prayer, there's no power or holiness in reciting the prayer over and over again. Because verse seven of, of chapter six, right before that, he tells us how to pray. He tells us how not to pray. And he says, don't pray in vain repetition. Mm -hmm. And yet how many people do that? Mm -hmm. Just quoting the Lord's prayer over and over again, like as if that's again, the genie, like the incantation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not that so so anyway but in the lord's prayer it's very helpful because he gives us it's a model it's a pattern it's a pray like this Mm -hmm. and so he lines out multiple uh lessons for us to learn and i'm going to line them out we'll look at probably at least six if not more where he shows us and teaches us the direction of prayer, the disposition of prayer, the dependence of prayer, um, the, the, um, he, he shows us the, uh, discipline of prayer. I mean, it's just, there's so much we learn from what Christ, uh, gives us, uh, the design of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all, it's all, it's all there. The desperation of prayer, um, such a, such a reality. We, we must pray desperately we must pray dependently we must pray in in accordance with the uh, desire that god wants which is his glory which mm-hmm. is how the lord's prayer starts hallowed be thy name mm-hmm. right and it's interesting you break it down into two sections the first uh, two verses are all about god right god's glory mm-hmm. god's purpose the next three verses are all about man's need mm-hmm. and so in that you have a simple very clear but helpful pattern in how we're to pray. We start by focusing on God and his glory and who he is. Mm-hmm. And our desire is even in our prayer that his name would be hallowed and holy. And then we go to the reality that, that all that we do and all that we're asking for would be about his kingdom work mm-hmm. and about his will be done mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. We're acknowledging it is this way in heaven and we want it this way on earth. And that's why we're praying this Mm. long before we get to my requests and my needs, which are genuine and real. Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that it's not about me. It's really about God. And so I'm praying this for me so that God's will will be done Mm. so that God would be glorified so that God's holiness would be displayed. And then I go on about my requests and in the Lord's prayer, it's requests for provision requests for protection request for purification, Mm -hmm. right? All of these things, which are important, both temporally and eternally, yet all of them have a direction, which are Godward, not manward. Mm -hmm. Even my daily bread is so that I might fulfill the will of God. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, So so, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's how we're to pray. I mean, lines it out, Mm -hmm. but most often we don't think that way. We don't pray that way. We, we jump right to you know, the conclusion or, or the petition without considering the ways of God. And obviously, you know, you're, you're Nehemiah and you're being called up in the moment, you know, you just, Lord, help me. Lord knows the situation I'm in. I'm just showing my dependence. So Lord, help me. Lord, mm-hmm. save me. Lord, protect me. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But in that, in that emergency moment, but when that's the only way you pray, mm-hmm. right? Not every, not every prayer is an emergency. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. It ought to be communing with God every day. Mm-hmm. We ought to be living that way. We ought to be walking that way. And as we're communing with God, we should always begin with God yeah. long before we ever move to self. And that's huge.
0: In that same light, you know, can you explain what intercessory prayer is? Because I've, yeah. I've heard this term oh, yeah. a lot.
1: Yeah. But So all that means is that just means interceding, going on behalf of another. So intercessory prayer just means instead of praying for myself, I'm praying for another. Okay. So I am. So, again, one of the key passages that's helpful on prayer is Hebrews 416, where it says we uh, we have now access into God's throne of grace Mm -hmm. that we might find mercy, grace, and help in our time of need. Mm-hmm. That's what prayer is, mm-hmm. right? And obviously in the book of Hebrews, he's talking about going into the Holy of Holies, mm-hmm. where only the high priest could go in there and mm-hmm. offer prayers to God on behalf of the people. Right. Only he could do that. We, immediate access anytime we want it. We mm-hmm. walk in, we talk to God, we give to God. I mean, it's like, like that, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so we get to go in there for our help, our grace, our mercy, but the blessing of prayer is that it's such a ministry on behalf of others mm-hmm. and if you study this out in scripture most of the prayers you find in scripture are intercessory prayers on behalf of others mm-hmm. and uh, actually the greatest the greatest servants we see in scripture are always praying intercessory prayers moses mm-hmm. abraham mm-hmm. right they're praying intercessory. the first prayer uh the first extended prayer in the bible is probably genesis 18 when Abraham is praying intercessory prayer on behalf of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. before God is going down to uh, um, to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. He's praying, Lord, yeah. shall he, the Lord of all the earth not do right? right. What if you find 50? What if you, mm-hmm. that's what he's doing. He's interceding mm-hmm. in, and on their behalf. One of the greatest intercessory prayers is Exodus 33, where you see God is going to literally wipe out Israel. And he's gonna, he's going like back to Noah, and he's gonna start a whole another nation out of who Moses. Mm-hmm. And he's up on the mountain. He's like, I'm done with these people. They're finished. I'm gonna wipe them out, and I'm gonna start an, uh, I'm gonna start a new nation through you, Moses. Mm-hmm. And what does Moses do? He prays on behalf of God's people. And how does he pray? He prays in light of God's promise, God's mm-hmm. promise to bless His people, mm-hmm. so that God would be glorified. And Moses in his prayer and says. Lord, how is that going to glorify you? Won't Egypt look at that and mock you and say, look, God saved them just to bring them out and kill them. Mm-hmm. What is Moses doing? He's interceding on behalf of his people in line with the glory and character of God. Mm-hmm. He's saying, no, God, we want what's best. I want what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And what's best for you is not to wipe out the people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's obviously to grow the people. And, and, so, and the Lord answers that prayer and says, "He was, yeah, I will relent. Because it was in line with God's will and what he had already promised. And, mm-hmm. and it's, that's intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what uh, Jesus prayed in uh, Luke 22 when, when Satan comes to sift uh, Peter like wheat. And he says, but I have prayed for you. That's intercessory prayer. Okay. Hebrews uh, 7.25, he's praying for us now, intercessory prayer. He intercedes on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Almost, I'm telling you, almost all the prayers, not all of them, but almost all of them mm-hmm. you will find by and large, are intercessory prayers because that's the ministry of prayer that we often lose sight of. Mm. And that's what I've been talking about a lot in the purpose of prayer is not just the, the maturation. So I think there's many reasons we pray. Ultimately, we're commanded to. It works. It's the means of grace that God has designed to fulfill his ministry, his will, and all these things. But you can boil down what the theology of prayer teaches us throughout scripture down to two real major purposes prayer is given to the believer for the maturation of the believer that's Mm -hmm. that's the means of grace by which we are realigned our will is realigned to god's wills we learn more about him and we begin to pray more in line with the word and more in line with the will and it changes our hearts. it changes us prayer changes things it most assuredly changes us that's what it's about but it's not only the maturation of the believer it's the ministry of the believer and that's the intercessory prayer you're talking about Mm -hmm. going on behalf and in in supplication and in in begging God to supply a need for someone else. um, That's that's massive. Mm. And that's what most people never even think of when it comes to prayer.
0: Absolutely not, because they're thinking about themselves and never think of it as unlocking the key to heaven. Yeah.
1: And and, you know, there is there is a reality not that phrase, but there is a reality of, again, truth behind the unlocking the, the, you know, opens up the gates of heaven. That's what Hebrews 4 says. Mm. Come to God's throne of grace mm. that we might find grace, mercy, and help in our time of need. That literally, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're, you're literally going to heaven, the treasure trove of heaven, i.e. the grace of God, which is everything. Mm. And you're saying, Lord, I need help. Mm. You're not going to, you know, your local, your local banker, you're not going to your great uncle who's mm. wealthy. You're going to the God of all the earth who has a cattle on a thousand hills, mm-hmm. who owns everything. Mm-hmm. It's like you're going to the source. Right. That's why we pray, not as James says, with doubt, but in faith, because we know we're going to the God of all the earth. And as Jesus teaches us, which I doubt I'll probably get much past this when I preach the Lord's Prayer, he starts it out what? And this is this is massive. Our Father. Mm. Yeah. That'll preach. Mm-hmm. Just wait. That'll 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 begin to change your prayers when you just think about what does that mean. Mm. Who am I going to? Who are we praying to? And mm-hmm. He says, "Pray like this." Our notice. He doesn't say "My Father." Mm. Our Father. Mm. Think about the the lack of selfishness in that. Mm-hmm. Notice the Lord's prayer. There's there's no there's no singular personal pronouns. They're all plural. Our Father. Mm. Yeah. Forgive us. Yeah.
0: Remember when you said the, the sermon series is going to be about 12 sermons?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That's that's number 13 right yeah. there. I mean, got to add to that. We've
1: got to get, we'll get through it eventually, but it, yeah. there's so much prayer is such a blessing. So the greatest means of grace, what is that? I think you can't hear this enough. God, God not only designed the way of salvation. I was, I was teaching last night at the, at the Naval Academy and I was, I was explaining this and most people get this, even young believers. We understand there's only one way of salvation, Mm -hmm. right? Matthew 7 makes that clear. Mm -hmm. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And there's only two roads, one that leads to hell, one that leads to heaven. There's only one name. There's only one way, right? We get that. And it's like how easily we accept that and believe that and follow that, right? One way. This is it. There's no other way. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't, you know, I won't buy my way to heaven. It's not by pedigree. It's not by power not by precedence it's by repentance right Mm -hmm. casting myself on the mercy of god and turning away from myself and dying to self and following christ we get that but the problem is we leave all that at the door when it comes to our sanctification Mm. it's like salvation yes i trust christ it's all about christ and then we go to sanctification and we're like okay so this like growing in holiness thing okay i guess i gotta i guess i gotta i guess i gotta do what oh okay i guess i gotta work it out I guess I got to try to try to deal with this sin this way. Oh, okay. And it's like we come up with all these self-made plans for fighting sin. Mm-hmm. We come up with all these crazy ideas of accountability groups and self-help psychology and charismatic nonsense for dealing with sin and it's mm-hmm. like, "No." God not only designs the means of salvation, he designs the means of sanctification. Mm. It's all right there in his word. We just got to follow it. Mm -hmm. There is a way to grow in holiness, and he makes it very clear, and he gives us multiple means by which his grace is given to us to grow us in holiness. Just as he's given us the means of salvation, which is the gospel, he's given us the means of sanctification and obviously the primary means is following, obeying, submitting to his word, right? But another one is prayer. Prayer is a means of grace by which we grow, and the Bible shows that over and over again. And there's another primary, the three primary means of grace for the growth of the believer is the word of God, the prayer of God, and the church of God. So as the believer is in the word of God, then he's going to respond and god honoring prayers to god and what is the context by which he saturates himself in the word and prayer it's in the local church mm-hmm. and so those are the three primary means of grace now there's others the lord's supper and baptism where does that come from the local church mm-hmm. well there's discipleship counseling church discipline means of grace where does that come from the local church mm-hmm. so all of those are subcategories of what he's already given in these three primary means of grace The preaching of the word, the study of the word individually, the preaching of the word publicly, prayer privately, prayer corporately, and what's the context for all of that to be uh, fleshed out, matured, and delivered? The local church. And as we invest our lives in and follow these means of grace, as he's lined them out in the scripture, that's how we grow. That's how we grow. And so people are struggling to grow because they're not going to the word. People Mm. are struggling to grow because they're not praying God honoring prayers. Mm. People are struggling to grow. Why? Because they're not invested in a local church Mm. and thus they're not growing.
0: I think that, uh, I think that you just outlined one, uh, the means of grace was, is is very impactful. Like just thinking through those three simple things that are literally what God has provided for us on earth to, you know, for sanctification. Um, but I think that the title of that sermon when you preach it is one, one salvation, one sanctification. Yeah. And it's easy. Like I'm literally seeing like, like when you said that, I'm like, that is mind blowing because people are always like, yeah, there's one way to heaven. I I never really thought through the fact that God has provided literally one way to get to that sanctification, exactly. which is which is through that. exactly. And he's already provided these means of grace for you to he's do it. Us. And it is literally outlined, and
1: yeah, he's, that he's is mind-blowing. Us, he's told us how to do it. That is just mind-blowing. Like he's told us the gospel very yeah. clearly. Mm-hmm. He's told us the way of sanctification just as clear. And the problem is we don't follow it. We come up with our own devices, and we try all these tricks and methods rather than just reading studying meditating on his word responding to the word in obedience and then prayer praying again not just for my own growth and dependence but my brother's growth my sister's because as i pray for you it humbles me Mm -hmm. it kills self right one of the greatest ways to kill pride is to pray for somebody else Mm -hmm. i tell people this all the time when they're suffering it's it's one of the greatest ways to persevere in suffering while you're suffering, pray for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what happens every time? You take, it takes your mind off of you. Mm. Oftentimes, our suffering is accentuated. It's ex- exacerbated because we're so fixated on it, mm-hmm. right? We're just thinking about the throbbing pain in my back or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and those things are real. But as we begin to lift our eyes off of our suffering and start to see the suffering of others, we often realize, wow, that suffering is worse. I'm glad I don't have that. And we start to pray, here you go, fervently, mm. passionately, mm-hmm. pleading for them. What am I doing? I'm no longer thinking of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer, this is what Jesus did nonstop. Mm-hmm. How does he go to the cross? He's pleading for us. He's thinking about pleasing the Father, the glory of the Father, and dying on behalf of his people. And it's just like, this is how we serve and grow and become more like Christ. And prayer is such a blessing for that. And obviously. Back to the point, prayer does unlock the treasure chest of heaven in the right way. Mm -hmm. The treasure chest of heaven has already been unlocked. It's unlocked through the gospel in Mm -hmm. Christ, through his word. Mm -hmm. Prayer just begins to turn my mind, tune my mind back to the word where the treasure is found. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, which is Christ. Mm -hmm. is in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and everything. And so it's, it's so vital. And, uh, we pray so, uh, pridefully mm. and selfishly and, and, and prayer is requesting prayer is asking prayer is begging prayer is pleading, but it's pleading for the things that God allows. Mm. So often we pray what God has never allowed.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah. Cause because of our sinful hearts. That's why, I mean, we're praying for, you know, the craziest things. And, and, you know, it's funny because when I look back at some of the, like the prayers that like I fervently prayed for, uh, I tell Beverly all the time, people will get a kick out of this right here. I prayed and I wrote a list out of, you know, characteristics that I wanted in my wife. And I wanted a wife that was light-skinned. You know, God made me laugh because he gave me a white woman. Like, it's like one of those things, like, you, you, like, I prayed for these things over and over again. And it's like, how foolish was that? How foolish was a prayer about the color of my wife's skin or the shade of my wife's skin? Like, why does that matter? Like, obviously, you know, looking back, I should have been praying for a lot more mature things. But, you know... It's that selfishness that makes you pray that the silliest things and very immature things. Yeah. And you were talking about, you know, praying for other people when you're going through trials and stuff like that. Lord, I pray that that person gets hit by a car, you yeah. know, that's messing with me or whatever it is. Yep. And that is that immaturity yeah. that, you know, people just want to pray for cuz they think that that is one in line with, you know, the scripture or they not even think about the scripture. Or it's like that's what they want to happen versus what actually is supposed to be.
1: And know? the scripture says we're to pray for our enemies. Yeah, Luke chapter go. six says pray for those who abuse you. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Mhm. Man. Mm-hmm. And that, and and wait, isn't that what Christ did on the cross? Yeah. Intercessory yep. prayer mm-hmm. for those who crucified him. Forgive them, Father. Isn't that what Stephen did mm-hmm. when he got? pummeled in the head by the rock. Yep. He sees Christ. What does he say? Forgive them.
0: Mhm. Yeah. That's powerful. I don't want to take a whole lot more time, but I do want uh <laughs> if you can. Maybe it's spoiling the uh the next sermon, but you said that you broke it down to just the three ways or four ways um i think it was the of um edification so growth in the knowledge of god um riches
1: of god's glory and the heritage of the saints um oh yeah how do we how do we pray in the ministry of edification how do we pray right Pray intercessory prayers as a ministry. Yeah, what are what are the examples of that?
0: And I thought you had like, moved to two, but two looks like is no, strength gave, and power through
1: prayer. Yeah, I gave I gave four. There's actually eight that I started with. Right. Yeah. So Holiness. Growth. Growth was the first one. You can see that in Ephesians 1, 15 to twenty three specifically mm-hmm. growth in the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. Right? Growth in the knowledge of God, which is the heartbeat of the gospel. Obviously, John seventeen three. But in Ephesians one fifteen to 23, that's what Paul prays. So we're just pulling this right out of the prayers of Paul. You watch him pray on behalf of other churches, other believers, and this is what he prays. Well, he prays, number one, for their growth in the knowledge of God and what that then brings. That brings hope, eternal hope to the believer and, and, and so much strength and power. So he prays, one, that uh, believers would grow in the knowledge of Almighty God, and then he prays, specifically strength. He prays for strength and faith in Christ. So he prays growth in the knowledge of God, and then he prays strength in the faith in Christ. And that's in Ephesians 3. So his next prayer in Ephesians 3, starting, I think, um, in verse 14 to 21, Mm -hmm. he's praying that they will grow in their understanding of who Christ is so that their faith in Christ is stronger, Mm -hmm. right? That's how you grow in faith in Christ and your knowledge of God. Oh, yeah, while you're
0: there i i <laughs> i got i was my plan was to go back and get these notes because you i mean you tore through them you tore yes. through this part so it. maybe this would be an opportunity because you have because you said conforms you, you had one before that conforms oh, convict spirit yeah confirms
1: so, yeah so so what was the that, first one well that passage talks about the power that learning and growing, and this is his prayer. He wants them to understand, to be strengthened. How mm-hmm. he uses the word strengthened, then he uses the word power. Right? Mm-hmm. He's playing, and he's and he's and he's talking about them being strengthened by growing and an understanding that the power that raised Christ from the dead mm-hmm. is at work in the life of the believer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a phenomenal prayer. It's mm-hmm. one of the best. One of my favorites, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so he starts talking about this resurrection power, which he had already brought up in chapter one in the first prayer. He had already talked about them understanding the power, but then he didn't explain it. He just kind of moved on. Mm. He kind of drops the bomb about this power mm-hmm. that he wants them to grow in, in the knowledge of God, but then he brings it back. Let letting it marinate. Yeah, he does. He, mm-hmm. he brings it back up in chapter three, and he says, now let me, let me show you this strength that, I, that I'm praying for you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Mm. And he goes, that same power is in you as a mm. believer. And you're just mm-hmm. like, what, what? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't even just say that. He said, not only raised Christ from the dead, but seated Christ in the heavenlies, not only seated Christ in the heavenlies, but actually made everything on earth subject subject to him, like put everything under his feet. Mm-hmm. The same power that does this is the same power that works in the heart and life of the believer. And it's just like, what in the world? And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That dwells within us, right? And and the and the work of the Holy Spirit that was used by God the Father to raise God the Son is the same Spirit of power that lives within the life of the believer mm-hmm. and is work actively working. So then I walk through this reality of the believer's work, and I think that's what you're talking about now. And I talked about how the Holy Spirit um, is given to all believers, and He convicts. Mm-hmm. You got that? He convicts. He, con- he convinces. Convinces, yeah. He convinces one. them of the truth. He convicts people of the truth. He confirms mm-hmm. their faith, right? Mm-hmm. He conf- he com- he comforts, right? He conforms believers to Christ. Um, he seals believers. He illumines believers. He empowers believers. And this is this is this is all happening, right? This is the same member of the godhead that dwells within us as the Mm -hmm. temple of the holy spirit Mm -hmm. it's glorious yeah and he goes on and that same power that strengthens believers takes place in the inner man right Mm -hmm. And so that's what that's the prayer the same power is at work with you and he's praying that that this power then would strengthen your inner man right Mm -hmm. because that's where the spirit of god dwells within us in the regenerate man and so it's a glorious prayer Mm -hmm. glorious prayer so
0: number two was strength and power yes. through prayer the third was love that yeah.
1: manifests yeah so so think about it now don't lose sight this we're talking about the ministry of of edification because the ministry of uh prayer has two purposes the maturation of the believer mm-hmm. and then it has the ministry of the believer right we talked about the ministry of the believer in ministry effectiveness by which we pray for gospel ministry mm-hmm. praying for missionaries pastors leaders evangelists that their ministry would be effective that's one way we pray and paul has gives us many examples of that first corinthians 1 uh, 11 being a a great one where he's praying he pleads with the church in corinth to pray for him mm-hmm. that the gospel would go forward that's ministry effectiveness what we're talking about is ministry edification where we're not necessarily it's not so much praying for the m- gospel ministry to be effective we're praying gospel growth in the life of another person Mm -hmm. so this is huge it shows you the 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 dynamics and the and the uh different ways in which prayer is used and ministered in the life of the local church Mm -hmm. so we pray for ministry effectiveness we pray for personal maturation and i pray for personal edification of my brother Mm -hmm. and so we pray how do we do that we pray that they will grow in the knowledge of god we pray that they will grow strengthened in their faith in christ and then number three is we pray. We pray that they will grow in their love for one another, mm-hmm. that they will grow in unity and love for each other. And that Paul prays that in First Thessalonians three eleven to 13. What a glorious prayer. And this is huge because I question and I wonder how many people have ever really prayed that. I know people do, so I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But I wonder, I just wonder how many people have ever truly prayed that they would grow, their brother and sister would grow in Christ-like love for one another. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard, and I brought this up in a sermon, I've heard as a pastor way too many times in multiple churches that I've served in, and I've heard this complaint, well, this church isn't loving. And there's truth to that. What church is as loving as it should be, right? And we all struggle and we have problems, and I get that. And yet, at the same time, the same time i've never had anybody come to me ever and say i'm praying that this church would be more loving
0: <sighs> this i'm gonna tell you this messed with me when i heard this This messed with me and here's why because what happens is um two reasons why people would leave a church that that they would tell tell me yep. uh the church isn't loving yep and that i'm not getting fed yep now what does that love look like? Because when you, when, cause a lot of times that love really looks like my sin is, I know my sin is bad, but you need to love me through my sin, but not in an edifying way. Like love me, you know, uh, love me, still love me and know that I am sinning. Example. Um, I grew up in this you know, this 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 church, you know, atmosphere, not necessarily the church that I went to, but in the church atmosphere where there were a lot of homosexuals that were in the choir, men in the choir, homosexual on the, you know, on the the, the keyboard, on different instruments. And that's what they were. That That was their lifestyle. They weren't confronted at all with their sin. And it was a feel good, you know, sermon every Sunday. And yep. that is, and, and to them, that was love. I feel love. I feel protected because, you know, my sin is accepted, Yep. you know, and, um, you know, you're going to love this. I wrote this. Um, love is a slippery slope. Most people expect that in the church, most people expect love in the church, but it ends up being like Mr. Smooth Man. That's what it really feels like. It's that that love that it's like you know. Hey, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm thinking of the scene uh, where they were in uh, the bar. Faithful was there. Yep. Uh, Christiana was there and Mr. Smoothband gets up and he starts speaking. Don't worry about the the you know, don't worry about the the city of destruction being destroyed. It's not going to be destroyed, you know. You know, the the good book talks about, you know, this and he goes into this whole like, you know, basically telling people I accept you within your sin. I accept you in your sin, and that's what love is supposed to look like. So the means of grace then turns in it really in in all actuality it turns into the means of destruction because they are literally being destroyed because people aren't confronting them with the scripture with and not praying for their maturation. They're using the word in a negative way to allow these folks to do whatever they want to do instead of really loving them and confronting them Mm -hmm. with, you know, the scripture.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's how it all comes down to how you define love. Do you define it as the world defines it, mm. which is feelings-based? Do mm-hmm. you define it as God defines it, mm. which is truth-based? Yeah, And so, um, yeah, and that's the problem. That's the problem with our world. It's the problem with the church. Mm-hmm. It has a definition of love that is devoid of God mm. uh, versus a definition of love that comes from God. Mm-hmm. And God is, obviously, he is the definition and the uh, disseminator of love we know not how to love apart from God. And God is the, he is the great confronter and he confronts sin. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the most loving thing you can do. Do it compassionately, do it graciously, but do it unrelentingly. That is the greatest form of love is to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus declared that, right? When he said, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments. Yeah. You know, so his point was, and it isn't about what you say to me, because in the context, that was the point. Why do you keep saying all these things? Why not just do what I tell you to do? Mm. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandment, mm-hmm. and and so uh, love is less about words and more about deeds, which mm. is exactly what John says, right? Let us not love in in simple words, but in deeds, mm-hmm. right? In action and truth, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, yeah, the, the 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 love always tells the other person the truth, no matter if it hurts. Hmm. And, I mean, that's reality. I mean, that's what the Bible does. Yeah. And God is love. And he tells us the truth. Yeah. Tells us we're sinners. Mm -hmm. Tells us we're going to hell. Tells us he's going to judge us. But he tells us, Mm. which proves that he loves us. Yeah. Right? And and what do we do? We reject it. We turn away from it. Mm -hmm. And so so a church not being loving um, would be a church that won't tell you the truth. That's an unloving church. Mm. Now, you can tell somebody the church in an unloving way. That happens, right? We're in, in a judgmental, legalistic, uh, prideful, yes, and that happens a lot. Mm. So just because you're telling the truth doesn't mean it's loving. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, we must speak the truth in love. Uh, yeah. they go, they're symbionically related. So y- you can't have one without the other. You've got to have them both together. And so, uh, but the reality is, is that we need to pray that our churches would be loving. We need to pray that one another would love one another. Why? Because it's not natural; it doesn't come natural. It's supernatural. It's a it's a gift of the gospel. The first fruit of the spirit in Galatian, or the first aspect of the fruit of the spirit, is what Galatians five what twenty two love. Hmm. It's a work of the gospel. We don't know how to love. We cannot love apart from the sovereign grace of God. And so. We not only have that in the regenerate man, but we need to continue to grow in that because Mm -hmm. we fight with the flesh and the world and one another. And so we need to be praying for that. And Paul prays that over and over again, that these churches would be in love with one another. And what's the basis of that love? Not feelings, Mm -hmm. but commitment to Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the gravity. That's the glue of divine love Mm -hmm. is truth. Truth found in The truth, the way, the life, Mm -hmm. the Lord. That's the gravity that pulls a a God-honoring church together. Mm -hmm. It's not how we feel. It's not what we like. It's not preferences. It's Christ. Mm -hmm. The more we love Christ, the more we grow in Christ, the more we want Christ, it's literally like a magnet. It just pulls people together Mm -hmm. that would never be together Yeah, like us. Mm-hmm. never be together. And yet you can't pull us apart. Mm-hmm. Why? Cause Christ is holding us together. Mm-hmm. It's glorious. Yeah. And that's what drives a loving church. And that's what we should be praying for. Mm. And, uh, and therefore if you're not praying for that kind of love, biblical love for a church, then I don't think you have any right to complain about a church not being loving. But if you're praying for that, you're pa- fervently, passionately praying for that. That's a different story.
0: So, yeah. I wrote down, Paul does not pray that they do not disagree, but, they, but that they grow and overflow with love, with the supernatural love that only God can give.
1: Yeah, I talked about the whole idea of uh, uh, disagreeing agreeably, mm-hmm. uh, that that's, that's not the way of love, Yeah, right? It's to confront and wrestle with the truth and to come together, mm-hmm. right? And this whole idea of uh, um, disagreeing agreeably, um, that's not the way of love. Yeah. And not, not when we're talking about truth, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously if we're talking about what color shirt I should wear. Yeah. That's, that's, that should, doesn't matter. Sure. My buttons have metal or Ex- plastic. Exactly. You know, my yeah. shirt. Yeah. It's whimsical. And then the last, the last way to that I brought out to pray as a ministry of edification for your brother in the church is to pray for holiness. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate one. That's that, That's it. That's what we're praying constantly. That's, Again, and think about it, every one of these. So, grow in the knowledge of God. Well, isn't that what God promised, that we would grow in the knowledge of God? He did. That's what salvation is, John 17, three, yeah. right. That's what it's all about. That's why he gave us his word, mm-hmm. right? So that we might grow in our understanding of him. Mm-hmm. And did he not promise that, that we would grow in our faith, that he would nurture our faith, that he would strengthen our faith, that he would mature our faith? And this is what Paul is praying. Did he not? promise that we would grow in our love. By this, they will know, right? My love is poured out into you, Romans 5, mm-hmm. so that you can now go pour out your love. And did he not promise to grow us in holiness? I mean, it's the whole point of election and salvation. Mm-hmm. And so you start to see how the promise and the plan of God should be what drives our pleading and prayers with God. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're praying First John 5 in the will of God when we're praying and begging and pleading fervently with God to do what he has already promised to do, to do what he has planned to do, to do that, which is most glorifying to him. Mm. Now we're, we're praying like Paul prayed. We're praying like Jesus prayed. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Uh, what were the other ones? Um, there's discernment. He prays that the church would grow, that believers would grow in discernment. That means learning to live and walk wisely in a wicked world, mm-hmm. how much do we need that, yeah, you know, definitely. that we would grow in that, grow in knowledge of holy living. You can, you can see that multiple times in Paul's prayer. You can see Paul prays for protection, mm-hmm. even physical protection, mm-hmm. that he might be protected from evildoers, wicked men, the evil one, as he's ministering in the gospel, and as gospel ministers are going out, that the gospel would not be thwarted or hindered because of evildoers, people trying to hinder them. He prays for that regularly. He also prays for one, it's one of my favorites, he prays for gospel fellowship. Mm. He prays that that there would be a reunion of, of believers together. He wants to come back. He wants to visit with the church in Rome so he can be refreshed in fellowship with them. He wants to get to Philemon so he can be refreshed. He even prays, Philemon, pray for me that I can be released so I can come to you and we can be refreshed in mutual encouragement that's gospel fellowship mm-hmm. praise that often that's glorious and i wonder you know if mm-hmm. we're if we're praying that for one another you know that we would come back together on the lord's day that we might have fellowship with each other mm-hmm. that's a that's a gift of the gospel it's a it's a blessing of the church and and one we should be praying about mm-hmm. and nurturing and grow in another one is understanding he prays that uh believers would grow in an understanding this is i think colossians 1 uh fourteen uh nine to fourteen where he, he prays that they would grow in the knowledge and understanding of the will of God so that they might walk worthy of the calling by which they've received mm-hmm. understanding the word of God, the will of God, that they would grow in the knowledge of that so that they could walk in obedient holy living. Yeah, I mean there's the list just keeps going, but these are these are our uh, ways, our petitions, our intercess in, intercessions intercedings that we should be bringing on behalf of our brothers and sisters in our local church. This is how we should be praying on behalf of one another. Mm. Yeah, obviously we can pray for uh, health and we should. And the Bible c- commands that in James chapter five, that if you're sick, call upon the elders and that they may pray for you. And, and uh, so we don't deny that. We We don't minimize that. And that's a blessing. And we have the privilege to go to the throne of grace mm-hmm. and ask for God to give us strength and to give our doctors wisdom and all these things. I mean, James says, pray for wisdom, and we can pray that on behalf of someone else, especially a doctor. But the problem with our prayer life in the modern church is if you evaluate it, almost every time we pray, it's over a temporary physical issue rather than an eternal spiritual issue. And most of the prayers in the Bible are eternal spiritual prayers, Mm -hmm. praying to the glory of God, through the maturation of the believer spiritually, not through the glory of God, through the temporary protection for personal pleasure. And that, sadly, is how most of our prayers go. Mm. Yeah, sadly. Um, and that's why we don't grow. Yeah, You're not going to grow if that's your prayer life. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, you'll grow frustrated yeah. because you're just going to be repeating over and over again, and that's what most people do. They just, Lord, help me. Help me on my job to do better. Help me, Lord, to get more money. Mm. Help me to get that raise, Lord, you know, whatever. And it's all about self. And James, we're going to see this on Sunday. And James chapter 4 says, you have not because you ask not. Mm-hmm. Because when you do ask, you ask what? For yourself. Mm. That you might use whatever God might give for yourself. That, I categorize that as praying wrongly. And that, I believe, is how we most often pray. We're praying for things that God never allows so many times I've heard that used in the wrong way out of context
0: and uh yeah I look forward to to hearing you talk about that well it is getting late and what I would like for you to do is uh give us the gospel of Jesus Christ uh so that I can Just hit save on this one and upload it (laughs) instead of having to do a whole lot
1: of editing. Yeah, so the gospel begins with God, and it is a blessing. The gospel really is about God. It's from God, and it's to God. It begins with God in Genesis, in the beginning, God, right? It's all about God. We are all created by God. We've all been created for God. He is the creator of everyone. Therefore, he owns us. He has rights over us. Because He gave us life and he gave us that life for a reason that we might know him, serve him and enjoy him forever. And that is a blessing. But he's not just the creator God. He's holy God. That means he's without sin. He's perfect in all his ways. He is without any blame or blemish. He is perfect in every single way. And therefore he creates us to live with him perfectly. And that is glorious. And that's what we see with Adam and Eve, but something happened. Adam and Eve weren't, they weren't content with that. They wanted more than God gave them. And so they were discontent with God and they disobeyed God. They turned away from God. They followed their ways instead of God's ways. And the Bible calls that sin. They rebelled against God and said, no, we're not going to obey you. We're going to do it this way because we don't trust you. We don't believe in you. We, we, we realize that you're holding back on us. That's what they thought. That's what Satan tricked Eve with. And that is called sin. And that sad reality, when they disobeyed God, he warned them not to do it. And he told them, if you eat of this one tree, if you disobey me and sin, you will die. And that's exactly what happened. They died. They were separated from God. They brought death into the world. As Romans chapter 5 says, all have sinned because all all died because all have sinned death came into the world through adam and eve and death spread to all men and that sad reality is not just because of adam and eve we prove that we're just like them every day we sin god created us he calls us to obey him and follow him he is holy god he demands that we live before him holy and perfectly we don't because we sin because we live for ourselves, and we reap the consequences of that which is eternal separation from god spiritual death and we will all physically die because it is the curse of god upon our sin and the sad reality is if our physical death happens before we are while we are still spiritually dead separated from god that's when we go into eternal death that is eternal judgment upon us by holy god for our sin we deserve it the wages of sin romans 6 says is death and the bible is clear for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god And that would be a sad, sober, scary story if it ended there. But that's where the gospel comes in. It's about God. It's about man rebelling against God. But it's about God providing a way for man to be reconciled back to God. That's why the gospel means good news. Because, yeah, it starts out with the reality of our sin against holy God. But it ends with this glorious privilege of God who he didn't need to do this. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything. He's perfect, content, holy God. And yet in his, back to what you said earlier, love, in his sweet, undeserved love, his grace, his mercy, he provides a way of escape. He provides a way to deal with our sin. And he does that all himself. And he sends his one and only son, God the Son, The second member of the Trinity, the perfect Son of God, he sends him to earth to be born so that he might die in our place, that he might bear our sins, our judgment, our wrath that God had reserved for us. He poured it out on his Son so that his Son would be the payment for our sin, so that we who believe would not have to pay for our sin. That is the doorway to the gospel, the good news. And so the reality of God creating us, man rebelling against God, and God providing a way for man through his son, then he calls us then and says, if you will repent of your sins, recognize you rebelled against me, if you will repent of your sins and turn away from your ways yourself and trust in Jesus Christ alone, God says, my son has lived the perfect life He's died the sufficient death and he was risen from the grave, proving that all that I said about him and all that he said about himself is true. If you will only repent of your sins, reject your ways and turn to Christ and follow him. If you do that, I will forgive you and I will give you eternal life. And just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, proving that the father accepted his death as a payment on behalf of sinners, so we too will raise from the dead and follow in the footsteps of Christ and live forever. That is the promise of good news given by God almighty to all who will believe.
0: I love it. Can't get enough of it. And, uh, thank you all for tuning in to the truth talks podcast. Appreciate the, uh, feedback I've been getting as well on the new format and, uh, Love you all. Take care. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the truth talks at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the truth talks podcast
1: and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. Ministry of Belcroft Bible Church. What's wrong with you people?